Hello, I'm Tom Standage, host of The World Ahead, the podcast from The Economist that explores the future. Over eight weekly episodes, starting on November the 28th, I'll be talking to economist journalists and special guests to get expert insights into the year ahead. We'll explore critical themes from soaring inflation and the impact of the war in Ukraine to chaos in the energy markets and China's uncertain post-pandemic path. Topics include, has China peaked? What does the war in Ukraine mean for the fight against climate change? How will economies cope with looming recession? Will passwords be replaced by pass keys? And just how exactly do forecasters predict the future? Join us to sharpen your foresight with the world ahead from The Economist. Start listening on your podcast app. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Nebraska Hawks Nest. I'm here with former Iowa basketball guard, Mike Gazelle. How's it going, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this. That that intro video has me hyped up. Now I need to need to go hit the gym or something. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to set the tone. There we go. <laughs> we really need to have to fit like a Mike Gazelle highlight in there, like when you dunked on them at North Carolina or something like that. <laughs> I have to bring that one in. That'll be awesome. Yeah, definitely a favorite moment of mine i wouldn't be opposed to it <laughs> i'm gonna have to i'm gonna circle around to that in a minute that's later in the interview i was gonna ask you about that but um first i, w- I really wanted to ask you about your recruiting process mm-hmm. at a high school um yours i think most recruiting processes i'm i'm pretty fascinated by but yours in particular um was very interesting uh growing up being uh playing at south sioux and um, kind of noted, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that you were a Husker fan growing up. And a lot of your family, uh, I'm not sure what if they are anymore, but they were pretty big Husker fans. Um, did you get a lot of pushback and a lot of crap when you committed to Iowa? And were you able to convert family? How was that process? And also, to tell me about your decision process and what all went into that. Yeah, Um yeah, a lot to unpack there. Like, you know, I you're you're correct. I was, grew up a Nebraska fan. If you saw my hometown house in South Sioux, you'd see Cornhusker stuff everywhere. It's um, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to live in Nebraska and not cheer for the Huskers. So you better watch yeah. out. But um, no, it's um, all joking aside. Um, yeah, we were big big Husker fans, but I I didn't really. Um, you know, I wanted to do what was best for me. So I didn't, 
um, really let any of that affect my decision. And obviously my whole family and all my friends and pretty much the whole town of South Sioux, once I committed to Iowa, went out and bought their first Iowa t-shirt. And I, I hear it all the time. You know, I'm a, I'm a Husker, I'm an Iowa fan for the next four years. Um, obviously my, my family still is, you know, huge Iowa fans um, for, for basketball anyways. I think they still cheer for Husker football, but um no, yeah, I, I definitely, I got a little bit of pushback just from, I don't know, different people being an in-state kid um, for Nebraska, but, um, you know, ultimately, I I didn't really care about any of that stuff. I I fell in love with, with Iowa and, and the coach staff there, and I knew it was the right fit for me. Um, what was it like going through that recruiting process with um... – with Nebraska, because I believe Tim Miles was there, um, and he had a part in recruiting you. And he's he's a pretty charismatic guy, really easy to talk to. And, um, and I, I think Stanford was in there pretty hot and heavy. And Stanford would be a really hard program to say no to, with that being such a prestigious academic institution. Um, how difficult was that to to say no to those two? Yeah, and, and actually, it was um, it was. Um... Wow, I'm I'm blanking for a second. It was before it was, to it coach Miles. Yeah, it was yeah, Doc it was Sadler. Sorry, That's I was right. blanking. Um, Doc is an awesome guy. I I loved him. Um, extremely personable. Um, you know, he's every time he came up, he was just super respectful to everyone in my family. I have nothing bad to say about him. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I really did consider Nebraska. Um, they were definitely in my top three. Like you said, Stanford was another one. Went out and visited there. Coach Dawkins, uh, being a former point guard, it was, you know, really tough to say no to that. They had a, a great team. Um, they, and that campus was unbelievable. Um, you know, so I, I went out and visited there, and then, and then Iowa. Um, you know, growing up, not an Iowa fan, it was actually coach <clears throat> Lickwriter that offered me the first scholarship. And, um, you know, to be honest, I wanted to play fast, wanted to play up-tempo game. So I really wasn't considering Iowa at that point. And then coach McCaffrey got the job and he, he came out and visited Adam Woodbury and myself. I think the, one of the first days he got the job and just let us know that, he's uh, honoring the scholarship. He really wanted us. And, um, you know, after getting to know him and his staff that he put together, it, it really wasn't a, that tough of a decision. Um, I just fell in love with the school and then also playing with Adam Woodbury growing up, we made that decision together a little bit. So, um, okay. yeah, it, it really, um, it just just felt right to me. It's it's hard to put that into words, but you know when when you're making a tough decision like that, and at the time it just feels like the biggest decision you'll ever make. Um, it, it just it felt right. Iowa felt like home. Okay, well you know that's that's super interesting because that was actually going to be my next question. I know that you and uh, Adam Woodbury were, were pretty close and. Um, I've been, I've had a few short conversations with him over the years. And can you tell us about, uh, what your conversations were like? Cause he was getting recruited pretty heavily by North Carolina and 
I know our big fear as Hawkeye fans, when you guys were both going through that recruiting process, you hear all kinds of stuff. So I'm hearing on one end how Mike Gazelle might go to Stanford. Like, oh, you know, he, he really liked it up there. And then you hear, oh, Woodbury has got a really close relationship with Roy Williams up at North Carolina. Like he might be going there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what your guys' conversations were like and if you were kind of comparing recruiting stories and, and, and what your guys' thought process was? Yeah, I mean, we... I I played with Adam since I was I think it was 15, maybe 14 years old in AAU, and obviously being in the same area, played against each other a lot growing up too. Uh, we became you know really close in the AAU circuit, and you know Marcus Page was another guy that we were really close with who went to North Carolina. Um, so I I do know it was a it was a tough decision for Adam. Um, obviously. Um, you know, I, I said going into it that I, Iowa was probably my top choice talking with him. And, you know, he had to, you know, he was, I told him, you know, it'd be awesome to play together, but at the same time, I want you to do what, what you feel is right. And he grew up a big, big Iowa fan. And he said the same thing, you know, Iowa just, just felt like home. And, you know, once, once we decided, I mean, we, we decided a few, probably a few months even before we made it known to all the media and you know we were we were really excited about that um just the idea of getting to play together for another four years um one time when i talked to adam years ago um it was when we went to that the father-son basketball camp at iowa i took my son there and i was able to meet you there and uh chat with adam a little bit and i thought his story was really just pretty fascinating that um you know, he, his dad asked him, he said, you know, I know you're having a hard time with this choice. What, what does your heart tell you? And Adam said, well, I, you know, I thought about back when that team with Bruner and Horner, when they lost in the first round to Northwestern state after that last second shot. And he goes like, I got teary eyed and like it broke my heart. And his dad was like, well, I think that's kind of a telling tale, you know, where your heart is and where you need to be. So I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, Adam was that open about that and, um, yeah. you know, where his feelings were. And he has had a ton of respect for, for Coach Williams up at North Carolina. And, you know, Adam uh, committing to Iowa and playing at Iowa over North Carolina, I think was a huge, huge move, uh, a huge growth moment for Iowa basketball because, you know, so many years have gone by where Roy Williams just, picks the best players out of Iowa whenever he wants and brought him to Kansas, brought him to North Carolina. And it was like, okay, you know, finally we got one. Finally, you know, we beat mm-hmm. Roy Williams for one of our own guys. The guy just, you know, but he's such a genuine guy. Like Adam said that, you know, he bonded with coach Williams immediately. And yeah, so that was a, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool story. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, yeah. I was going to um, ask you too. Um, so you have two siblings that also played college basketball to, you know, got mm-hmm. a lot of good athletes in the family who out of the group between you and your brother, Tim, who played at Wayne state division two and Nicole, who also played at Wayne state, which one of you three, you think right now, if you guys were to pick up a ball and go, who's the best athlete in the family right now? <laughs> My sister always says she's the best athlete because she has the most state championships. So, um, yeah. I don't know. She has, she has a beat there, but, um, no, I, it's, it's fun. Cause when I go back, my brother is, you know, in immaculate shape still. Um, so it's, it's fun getting to, sometimes we go up and play basketball when we're, when we're back in town, but no, th- those two really drove my love for the game of basketball. I grew up, 
at a young age going to their games. Um, you know, I was, I was on the water, I was a water boy for that Wayne State team and me and Doug McDermott were the two, two water boys there for a while. Um, and I just, I just grew up to, to love the game because of them and just wanted to be like them. Cause they're, for those of you who don't know, they're, they're each 13, 13, 12, 13 years older than me. So yeah. I grew up just, just watching and wanting to be exactly like them. Yeah. Well, you know, they, you couldn't have had two better examples for people to want to aspire to be as siblings. I, um, I, you know, I knew both, you know, both your siblings in college fairly well. And I gotta say, you know, at college for a lot of kids, it can be the peak of your immaturity in life. And, uh, I was a late bloomer. I'll tell you that was probably <laughs> my peak of immaturity. But Tim was always Tim was always a, a really kind, genuine person, and I gotta tell you, like he seemed to have his his crap together a lot more than most other kids our age. So that's what I was saying. Like Tim, I was a late bloomer, man. How did you even spend any time around me? Because I would have wanted to wring my neck. I was a back then. So um, yeah, I, I, I was, I'm truly blessed to, you know, you, your family is one thing you don't have a choice over in life. And, you know, I was extremely blessed beyond words to, you know, have the parents that I do and the siblings that I do. Um, you know, they, I, I can't even tell you how much of an influence they've had in my life. And, you know, Tim is like, you know, the perfect role model, as you said, and even you see it and you can just tell through his friendships over the years, um, you know, all, everyone he still stays close to at Wayne State and everything like yeah. that. But, yeah. Tim's so loyal to that Wayne State basketball program. He's always always been there and always been a support system. And Tim's one of those guys, you know, you meet a handful of people in life where you're like, I just feel lucky to know that person. He's just a, such a good genuine person and tim's one your brother tim's one of those guys in my opinion he's always been such a good guy um transitioning over to we got to get back to that dunk at north carolina um <laughs> i need to know if you, i got a few questions about this okay yeah what was that like that feeling because i you know i've rewatched that a million times and you just it was electric going in there and throwing that down and you know we're gonna call a spade a spade mike gazelle was not a high flyer in college wasn't throwing it down a ton but you got up when you needed to and that was a sick sick dunk tell <laughs> us about how that felt and um just you made that crowd just hush up after that how did that how did that feel yeah the, you know there's nothing better than going on the road and just silencing the crowd especially in a, an arena like that um north carolina they rarely lose on their home court, especially in non-conference games. Um, they were one of the best teams in the country when we were playing them, going against Marcus Page, who's still one of my best friends today. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm be honest, I'm pretty sure I blacked out after that dunk. I was just like one of those things where there's certain moments in games where like um you, you look back at it and you have to go back and watch film to even remember what happened you're just so into the zone that you, you just don't even remember some of it and uh, that was definitely one of those moments but just just that whole game was, was so much fun you know I grew up a huge huge uh Roy Williams fan uh Kirk Heinrich being from the area always always watched him very closely played at Kansas for Roy, Roy Williams so I've always just had a ton of respect for for coach williams and and um i've always followed him close so 
you know, really getting to go and, and beat a team that you grow up watching a huge fan of, uh, you know, there's, it's an amazing feeling. It's a lot of fun. I got to tell you, I got a little beef with you on that whole thing. Um, I had went and I was just, I, I got a cup of crystal light and I go to sit down and all of a sudden, as I sit down, you fly through and dunk the ball and I go, what? And I knock the cup on the floor I was never able to get that stain out of the carpet, Mike. So I'm going to be asking for your address at the end of this, and I'm going to send you a bill, all right? Makes for a good story. It um, brings, brings character to the home. Oh, and people come over and, like, you know, take pride in having a nice, clean house, nice clean house, and there's a, a big red stain on the carpet. And I got that thing professionally cleaned. I did everything I could to it. That crystal light stuff is like red wine. It's not coming out. And I'd be like, that's my Mike Gazelle stain when he dunked against North Carolina. I kicked my coffee table over and jumped out of my chair, and the crystal light went all over the floor. And I was like, I'll worry about that after the game. Like, we're putting it to North it. Carolina. <laughs> I love it. It could, it could have been a lot worse. You could have been kicking it over because you were mad. So, <laughs> yeah, I've had, as a Hawkeye fan and just sports in general, I've had those moments as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, we'd be getting a bill. So, you'd be looking in the mail, Mike. <laughs> Uh, what, one, one question I wanted to ask you is when you played at Iowa, um, who was the toughest player that you ever had to go against in a game where you were just like, this guy's unbelievable. Like, I, yeah. I don't know if I could guard this guy. And you really just had to push your game to the next level just to stay with them. There's a, there's quite a few of those. One that really sticks out to me was my freshman year having to go against Trey Burke at at Michigan. Um, I think one of the reasons was, I mean, he was one of the best players in the country. He I can't remember. He may have won player of the year that year. Um, but not only that, he played in a Michigan offense that they run about 15 million ball screens of possession and are extremely spread out. And I was a young freshman, didn't even know how to guard a ball screen correctly yet. And man, that was, that was a nightmare, um, having to, to guard him. But, um, I mean, there's a few of those I could throw out Yogi Ferrell was one. He just, guys that, guys like him who had the green light, they, you just, you never know what they're going to do. Um, he had the full confidence in his coaches and he could take 30 shots a game. It's a guy that it's just, extremely hard to guard not only that they're one of the fastest players in the country but those are two that that really stick out in my mind well that's that's pretty interesting um as a teammate um who would be uh one guy that you would say that was the most dedicated probably maybe the best player that you ever got the chance to play with that you really just admired their work ethic and their dedication to becoming a better player every day yeah um i think best work ethic if you're talking Strictly worth ethic, I'd say Adam Woodbury. He's a guy that he's he's the guy that you absolutely hate to go against, but you love when he's on your team. And I, as in my four years at Iowa, there wasn't a single day where he took a took a day of practice off. Um, you know, he he rarely missed a game. There's times where he sprained his ankle and couldn't even barely walk, and still still played in the game. Um, he's one of the toughest guys of ever been around but you know I I was on some very good teams at Iowa and you know there's so many guys I could name 
when I just talk about some of the best hardworking guys, um, you know, Aaron White, Jared Utoff, um, Anthony Clemens, um, one of my fellow point guards, uh, I, it could go down the list. I think that's one of the reasons we were so successful is we had a group of guys that just loved the game of basketball, loved to just work their tails off and we pushed each other to get better. And that's, you know, why I think we had the success that we did. You know, your class is going to always be looked at and known as that one or one of the major classes that turned the tide for Iowa basketball. Um, you know, things really went down quite a bit during the uh, Coach Licklider uh, era. And when Fran took over, he had to dig us out of a pretty deep hole. And, you know, your class was definitely – really responsible for turning everything around and, and putting Iowa, Iowa basketball back on the map. So, I mean, that's got to be a pretty good feeling knowing that you played such a huge part in that. Yeah. When, when coach McCaffrey got the job, he came and, and talked to us, I remember, and he's just like, you know, you, you see this Iowa program and how much history there is and how good they've been in the past. And he said, you know, you guys, have a chance to be a part of this and bring that back, bring back that history. And, you know, at, at the time when you're going through it, you don't necessarily feel that way. You don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm helping turn a program around or anything like that. But after you're done and have time to sit back and kind of reflect on it, I, I think we did have a huge part in that and just helping turn that program around. And, and um, now you see the, success they're having this year as well and it's just you know so much fun to watch and um have so much respect for coach McCaffrey and that that um coaching staff they do tremendous job and you know it's it's fun to be a part of it it is what what are your thoughts on the current team right now and uh the success that they're having They, they hit a little bit of a rough patch but that happens with every team um yeah. you know they lost four out of their last five and just well i was able to pick up a pretty strong win against rutgers and um you know getting cj frederick back up back in the lineup definitely made a big difference for them uh, what are your thoughts on the team this season and what do you feel like the the their possibilities are i i think they're a tremendous team they have the experience they have the pieces i i truly think it's a team that has potential to make the final four. Um, the tournament, a lot of it comes down to matchups and who's playing well and what night. But if you're looking at on paper and the tools and pieces they have, I think they have that. Um, I said before the season, just looking at the Big Ten, that you know I'd be okay with a top four finish in the Big Ten. It's just unbelievable how tough it is. In my my four years there, the Big Ten was always one of the best conferences in the country, but this year it's like, it, there's no nights off. It's, it's unbelievable. And I was just talking to coach Taylor on, on Wednesday. And I said, you know, coach, you could, you could play, play well and go on a four game losing streak. Um, you know, I think everyone would, I think the team would admit they, they haven't been playing their best basketball these last few games, but the Big Ten, you're you're bound to lose a few and go on a little losing streak. It's you know yeah. how you respond with that, and I I just you know I think that by the time March comes around, they'll they'll be hopeful, they'll be playing their best basketball at that point. But um, 
No, I, I think they have the tools to, to make a run in that tournament. Okay. Well, I do too. So it's, it's great to hear your perspective, <laughs> the guy that was part of the program, though, to see how you feel about that. Um, this is one question that I'll, I'll probably get killed if I don't ask you, so I have to ask it. Um, yeah. Being somebody that played for Coach McCaffrey, no matter how good of a coach or player you are, you're going to get criticism, especially yeah. at the Division One level. It happens to everybody. And the number one criticism that Coach uh, McCaffrey gets is sometimes it seems like you know his team doesn't play defense to the level that they probably should. Um, what, what are your thoughts when you were in the program um, how hard it, did you guys work on defense? How much of an emphasis was that was made on that? And, and what are your thoughts on uh, the a, a little bit of public criticism from fans that, um, it, from their outside perspective, doesn't always look like the team plays as sound defense as they should? Um, I mean, we we worked on defense every single day. Um, you know, I, Coach McCaffrey is the coach that wants to play fast, wants to put up a lot of points, so that doesn't mean he neglects the def- defensive side. Um, we worked on it a ton. And, um, you know, if when you're a team that's that high-powered offensively, you're, you're bound to give up a lot of points. You can't, you can't score 80-plus a game and only give up 50-plus a game. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, there's more possessions in the game. You're playing fast. Guys get tired at times. You're going to give up easy buckets. But, um, you know, I think with the way the team scores the ball, it's hard for other teams to keep up. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean they're a bad defensive team because they give up a lot of points. I think, um, you know, in this losing streak, you did see uh, there's just a few times in games where they make some plays on the defensive end you shouldn't. But they all know that. They're all watching the film. They'll get it turned around and you know i i think you know it's uh i mean defense is something we're, we were working on every single day yeah well i mean that's that's a great perspective and just as fans too you know we only see what happens on game day and you know we don't have as no, uh, the depth of knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes and you know what type of things are being worked on too so like we said you know coach mccaffrey has been an amazing coach for the program and uh, one of the best coaches in Iowa basketball history. So uh, no matter how good of a coach or player you are, there's everybody's going to have one thing where they're mm-hmm. like, okay, like, why aren't you doing this better? It just comes with the territory of being, you know, a division one coach or a division one player. Um, yeah. Transitioning. I think, if, uh, I think sorry, I'll add to, you know, I think if he was a defensive juggernaut, all they cared about was only giving up, 50 points a game, they'd only be scoring 60. And I think he'd be getting the, the slack on the other end too. So it, there's always something, but um, no, I, I, you know, that's something that they, they work a lot on and guys take pride in that too. Well, that's good. That's good for other people to hear too. So um, even figure that's the case, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. coach McCaffrey is not just skipping defense and practice. <laughs> that's, I, wish, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not the fun part of practice. Like that's the yeah. last other than conditioning, like yeah, working on defense. Like I hated that. I just wanted to get yeah. that ball, play some offense. So yeah. um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you um, how your transition was um, after leaving Iowa. Um, what, what were your options? What were you looking at doing? Um, and I know there was some different opportunities out there for, you, and you ended up playing a year of basketball in uh, Denmark um, so tell us a little bit about the de- decision process of where to play and what it was like when you were over there playing. 
Yeah, I um I knew I wanted to play professional basketball. I had no idea how long or anything like that. Obviously the first goal was to hopefully have a chance at the NBA and um that just didn't really pan out like I thought maybe there was a chance there and decided to go the overseas route and um you know lived in lived in Denmark for a year got to play some awesome basketball we were in uh we were in two different leagues so we were in the Denmark league the Danish league and then also uh FIBA Champions League um similar to like soccer if you're if anyone's familiar with um you know European soccer but we'd play teams from all different countries um it was an amazing experience got to see so many different countries um got to even play against Devin Marble which was was fun he was playing in Greece and got to play against him um uh, amazing experience i i didn't love living overseas i'm kind of a homebody love the midwest don't love being a, that far away from family and to be honest i just didn't see myself playing more than three or four years and and going that route and so after, after that first year I kind of took all summer to just think about it reflect you know what what's my next choice what's what's my next uh, move and you know I had had I think three or four offers to go overseas different places none that I was just like really excited about I had a few G League opportunities and as I was also pursuing um you know the next steps um um I wanted to be a financial advisor I knew that in college so I was also pursuing opportunities there as well um really covering everything and you know the the right opportunity what I felt like came into play um doing financial advising and I I decided it was it was time All right well, so from from what I hear and what I see online, you can help me achieve my financial goals. So Absolutely. why don't can you tell everybody about where you're working right now um, yeah. and a little bit about uh, family life? You're married and I believe have a have a little one now. Yep, I uh, live in live in Bettendorf. Uh, I'm a financial advisor. Been doing that about three years now. Love it. Um, I've, I've, we got I have a wife and a son that's just turned two in December. Um, so yeah, just, just living the dream, living the dad life. Um, but no, I, I love the area here. It's nice and close to Iowa city. So on a normal year, we, we make it up to almost every home game and in practices too. But, um, this year I haven't been able to with, with COVID, but, um, now the, the staff at Iowa is, is awesome. And it's, it's almost the same staff that was there when I was there. Actually, it is the same staff. So, you know, I could text those guys anytime. Their their offices are open. I could, if I had a meeting in Iowa City and wanted to swing over to the basketball offices, I could show up unannounced and they, they'd they be happy. Um, so it's it's fun to, you know, be close there and, and be, be uh, close to the team still. Well, that, that's cool that you have such a close relationship with the staff and that makes you uh, just so much more invested in the program when you're watching the games, you, you know, you're still a part of it and, mm-hmm. you know, you still got that tugging on those heartstrings when they play, uh, you know, you see a little bit of part in yourself every time mm-hmm. they play because, you know, a big part of where we're at, where we're at is because of guys like you, you know, guys like Woody McCabe, um, you know, Devin Marble guys that came in and really helped turn the program in the right direction. So, mm-hmm. um, 
And you were talking about just for a little bit um, earlier before we got on the interview about uh, yeah, there's a new business venture in the family. It's going to be coming to uh, Fremont, Nebraska. Um, so yeah. just Nebraska Fox Nest, you know, we probably need to mention okay. this. Yeah, Fremont, Nebraska. My brother Tim is opening a brewery um, called a 505. Um, isn't open quite yet. Things got a little bit delayed with COVID, but um, you know, it should be open about any time. So um, you know, look out for it. Especially if you're in the the Fremont or Omaha area, should be should be awesome. They, um, you know, I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, Fremont's an underrated town. I, I really like Fremont. I think Fremont has a lot to offer. Um, yeah. it, it's a cool place. So Fremont, I, Fremont's great. My my parents have moved to a lake out there now, and so find myself in the area quite a bit over the summer. So, all right. Well, hey, when you go out there to go to the brewery, make sure to let us know. We can. You know, I'd love to come out and have a beer with you and got to check out Tim's new brewery. That's pretty cool that he's doing that. So. Yeah, wish yeah definitely, definitely have to check you out, check it out. And, um, you know, Tim, Tim, I know <coughs> Tim would be excited to see you too. Yeah. yeah. It'd be awesome. Um, one thing I could keep, I could talk to you forever, but I want to ask you one <laughs> question to kind of take off. I know you got work to do today. Um, co- coaching, have you ever thought, you know, you're always such a smart basketball player and had a high basketball IQ, a very well-spoken guy. Has it? Have you ever thought about ever getting into the coaching game, or is that something that you just don't feel like is a is a fit? I thought about it. Um, you know, I, I don't think college coaching's for me. Um, you know, I've, I I don't necessarily think high school coaching is as well. I I definitely want to coach my son growing up and and any future kids um, if I'm able to, but. I I love my job now too. It's uh, it's one of my passions as well. So I I could see coaching being like a for fun side gig, but I don't I don't ever see it being um, full time job. Um, I I also love the workouts side of it and the individual stuff. That was one of my favorite parts about playing basketball was you know getting in the gym by yourself or with a small group and just working on your craft and getting better. And so, I mean, that, that's something too, that I, I like to do. I do that for fun on the side, just working with a few kids um, for, for fun. So yeah, right. but basketball is in my blood. I'll always be part of it. I just don't, don't necessarily see it as my full-time job at any point. Well, you've always been a little bit of a gym rat. And I, I remember when I, I'm in college and, you know, we're at Wayne State. I was the student manager for the basketball team. And we're riding to University of Northern Iowa to play Coach McDermott when he was there. And I look over and there's this little guy, little Mike Gazelle, holding a basketball, riding on the bus with us. I'm like, I've told multiple people, I never thought in a million years, like, Mike would be starting for the Hawkeyes. And like, <laughs> little nice kid on the bus. And yeah your dad quite a bit and such a friendly guy such a great family um and like you said before you you are blessed and you are very very lucky and um it's 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 great to see you have success it's great to see your whole family do well and you know wish you and your family nothing but the best and uh thanks for taking time to to join us with your with your busy financial advisor schedule that you (laughs) have on there no, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, anything in life, if you're going to be good at it, you have to have a passion for and really work at it, no matter what it is, whether it's financial advising, whether it's sports, um, 
whether it's, you know, broadcasting, podcast, anything, you, you have to have passion. And I, I truly believe the only reason I was as good at basketball as I was, because like you said, I was had a basketball in my hand since I was little. And not only that, I just grew a passion for it. I loved it. Um, still love it to this day, even though it's, it's not my job anymore. Um, so yeah, it's uh basketball is definitely in my blood, but no, I appreciate, really appreciate those kind words. Um, and it's, it's, it's refreshing to talk to more Iowa fans in the state of Nebraska too. Um, but no, there's I, a I few, appreciate- there's a few of us out here. <laughs> I love it. Yep. All right. Well, um, just to say, before we send you off, we got to say, you know, living in the quad cities, I lived there for a little while. Um, we talked a little bit about Happy Joe's Taco Pizza. Uh, is that and, and Whitey's ice cream? Is that the two best Quad City things that you've had since you've lived there? Um, yeah, the Whitey's for sure. I, I'm, I have a sweet tooth, definitely. And you know, I've, I'm trying to, I'm trying my hardest to fight off that dad bod, but um, Whitey's isn't making it easy. Um, yeah. It'll creep we, we up go on there. You. We go there too much. If you're ever in the Quad Cities, Whitey's is the number one place you need to go. And then Happy Joe's Taco Pizza, it's a staple of the Quad Cities as well. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of good food around here for sure. I'm not even an ice cream guy. And like when I live there, I'm like, I'm going to get catch the diabetes if I keep going to this Whitey's all the time. That place is like, I've never had ice cream like that in my life. I don't know what they're doing there, but uh, that, I can't believe that it's like not nationwide. It's it's the it's, best ice cream I've ever had. It's depressing looking at my bank statement every month and realizing how how fat I actually am and how often we go there. <laughs> you know what? If they're smart, they'll hire you as their spokesperson. You know? That's an endorsement deal waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, then they're going to give you free ice cream, and there's going to be real, real problems ahead after that. So, <laughs> all right, Mike, hey, thank you so much for taking time again, and uh, we really appreciate it. And again, we wish you nothing but the best in your career and, and uh, with your family. That you guys stay happy, healthy, and um, go Hawks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Go Hawks for sure. Thanks uh, for having me. It was a lot of all fun. All right, Mike, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for joining us. Sounds good. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.